Welcome to Athletes on Balance, where we talk to athletes, coaches, and experts about mental health and sports. This is a stigma-free zone for inner thoughts and outer conversations. We're helping athletes and anyone with mental health challenges perform at their best on and off the field. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Athletes on Balance. I am Walton Early, your host, and I am the founder and CEO of On Balance Health. Uh, today, I'm very fortunate to be joined by Dan Radakovich, the director of athletics at the University of Miami, better known as the U. Um, in December of 21, Dan was named the 14th director of athletics in the school's storied history. Uh, prior to the U, Dan served as the director of, of athletics at Clemson University for nine years. During his tenure at Clemson, the Tigers football team won two national championships, and Dan was named the 2017 Athletic Director of the Year by the Sports Business Journal. Dan has more than 30 years of experience working in collegiate athletics. He has held roles at Georgia Tech, LSU, American University, South Carolina, and Long Beach State. He has also ties to a previous guest on the podcast, uh, Coach Nick Saban. In 2003, Dan was working at LSU. Uh, the Tigers football team won the national title under Coach Saban that year. Uh, a former football player himself at Indiana University of Pennsylvania, IUP. Dan, I will let you know I have uh, some family went to IUP. Uh, one, of them was, one of them was a very good football player there. Uh, Dan later received his MBA from the U in 2021, he was enshrined into IUP's Athletic Hall of Fame. Uh, many of you have probably heard me say this before. Mental health uh, care is uh, personal to me. Uh, I've managed a bipolar disorder for more than four decades within my business career. Uh, a lot has changed since my student-athlete uh, days when I played quarterback at Ohio State in Georgia, of course. But I do understand the, the time pressures that the athletes face. I also had two daughters that were student athletes. Uh, my personal mission here is to improve the quality of care uh, for athletes and destigmatize uh, mental health, uh, which hopefully leads to um, care getting uh, sooner uh, before things fester. So Dan, I, I welcome and I appreciate you joining me today. Walt, it's a pleasure to be here today and uh, certainly talking about mental health, that's a uh, very, very important subject for all of us. Well, historically, Miami has had one of the nation's top uh, athletic programs. Um, and we just talked a little bit about your basketball program and your football program is, you know, with uh, it's, it's on the rise. Um, you run the show. Um, can you give us a high level view of what goes on in your day um, as the AD at Miami? Well, I think uh, one of the great things about being a director of athletics, and many of my colleagues would um, subscribe to this, is most days are very different uh, from each other. There's there's not a cookie cutter that says, you know, the, these are these this week is going to be exactly the same. However, because of the seasons and because of what sports are in season, you do get a little bit of a uh, of a cadence. That, that goes along. So, you know, having an opportunity to meet with uh, some of your higher level coaches, whether it's uh, football or basketball, uh, a couple of times during the week is really important. If I don't get to see them uh, in person, I try to call them. Uh, we have uh, our administrative group to make sure that uh, we meet together at least once a week as a, as a staff to be able to go over that week's agenda, some long-term items, some short-term 
term items that we need to be able to move forward with. Certainly fundraising is an important part of, of making sure we have the resources that are necessary to move forward uh, the athletic program. So giving time and effort and energy into that part of the business is, is something that goes on each and every week. Uh, and, and then moving at a private school like the University of Miami, and because it is a, a smaller environment, uh, making sure that we're uh, keeping up with the campus um, administration because they're so important to our, uh, our ability to be successful. Uh, so making sure that, that we're constantly in communication. If we have any new initiatives that we want to bring forward, we want to do that through the proper board of trustee committees after having opportunities to talk it through with the university administration. So all of that and, and probably the most fun part, but the part that I get to not have as much opportunity with is interacting with our student athletes. You know, as I made my journey up from you know, a, a CFO on on a campus up to uh, a deputy and then athletic director. Each one of those air, each one of those stops, you you have less and less time with student athletes because there's more tug on on your day. But uh, really try to be able to make sure that um, you, you, we have some time with student athletes to understand what their needs are, what their uh, wants are, uh, and, and see if we can help give them the best student-athlete experience here at the University of Miami that we can. You also have an element that's come into your world that uh, didn't exist, and you know it's in everybody's world, but it's uh, speaking about your day-to-day. -day, you have the NIL situation that uh, I'm sure you have to put X amount of time in per week, per month, uh, you know, that, that wasn't on your agenda, you know, four years ago. Well, for sure. Um, and, and, you know, NIL for all of the... Um, the negativity that maybe it gets uh, is is tremendous from the standpoint of, of, of student athletes. Uh, you know, they can be as active in the NIL marketplace as they desire. I know a lot of student athletes weren't and, and haven't been that um, that involved in it because they say, you know what, uh, my my day is tied up in either. Uh, preparing for my athletic journey and doing the best that I can do there and, and preparing myself physically and mentally there uh, in my academic area, I really don't have time right now to devote to a, a, a another uh, area, which is um, the, the marketing of myself uh, out in, in, the, in the world to uh, create NIL dollars. Uh, but some student athletes can, can do that uh, seamlessly. We had the Cavender Twins on our campus uh, in women's basketball and two incredibly wonderful young women, great family, um, just uh, really went out there and did some phenomenal stuff and were in incredibly well rewarded from, from an NIL perspective uh, for the work that they've done. So it's really, a, it's really up to each individual student athlete as to how they think they can, they can parse their day parts of their week to be able to be involved in NIL while still being a student athlete. It is a tremendous new day. And as you said, it's, it can be a very positive thing and it does get a lot of negative publicity. You know, within that though, you have the evolution of what we just spoke about with the NIL. Um, I, I'm curious to, to, uh, for your opinion on the other dynamic that has been creeping into collegiate athletics, you know, the pandemic, you know, accelerated things, but 
you're, you're seeing more and more athletes that are dealing with uh, a mental health crisis. Um, and those are, you know, the crisis is not my terms. I mean, it's, uh, it's pretty well established. Um, what are you doing at Miami to prioritize the mental health of that athlete? Well, we have very recently within the last year tripled the number of mental health professionals that we have on our campus. Wow. Uh, and we have also taken the opportunity. Uh, we have a, a teaching hospital at the University of Miami, uh, the, the medical school. We have the U Health um, program down uh, in, in downtown Miami. So uh, the University of Miami Medical School, uh, full range. Uh, and there are psychological services and psychiatric services, you know, within that that program. So, uh, just as we have, and Walt, I'm sure you're familiar with this. You know, you had the team doctor who was the orthopedic, uh, who would take care of the broken bones and you know ankles and knees and shoulders and elbows. Um, we and we have that arrangement through the University of Miami uh, healthcare uh, program through University Health. Uh, we decided, well, why don't we do that for mental health as well? So we went over to the university and 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 the medical school, and we talked to uh, the folks there, and they thought it was a wonderful idea. So not only have we tripled the number of on the on the uh, boots on the ground people here uh, on campus, but we've also uh, created an arrangement with our uh, U Health system uh, for psychological, psychiatric services, and and performance services for our student athletes. So you have you've you've developed a program with those resources that are dedicated specifically to the student athletes, as opposed to uh, the university uh, students as well, non athletes. So it's it's a dedicated resource for the student athlete. We have it because what we found was the, the university has you know on on our campus here. There's probably a, a you know, ten thousand undergrads you know who are in need of those services, right. and you know our student athletes uh, have a very specific type of need, whether it's, you know, just true uh, mental health um, needs or performance needs, you know, those are very different than um, the number of maybe the mental health needs of the general student population. So we wanted to make sure that we were doing the things that were uh, most important to our student athletes. So we were able to move that uh, away and and create our own uh, little network there, healthcare network. Uh, from a mental health perspective, the combination of clinicians and sports psychologists. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So you, you've held uh, positions at seven different schools um, over the last approximately thirty years. Um, speaking on this subject, can you can you walk us through the the shift that's happened with the ecosystem of the student athlete, the coaches, and the, and the administrator, administrative group? It, it, is there more conversation about it? I mean, is that is, is this is this subject matter something that uh, is topical weekly, monthly, by the semester? I mean, how much interaction is there within that ecosystem group? Well, we'll start back at the beginning. You know, a lot of the um, in in the nineties, a lot of the mental health was was strictly looked at from a performance perspective. Um, you know, you looked at it from some of the great golf. Um, folks who were, you know, getting into golfers ears and, and talking through how you could become a better golfer and focus. And of course that hit baseball right away because of the opportunity to, um, you know, focus in and, and be able to uh, hit a baseball or, or, or play baseball. So uh, that was, that was a, that was a focus there. 
Um, but then you got into the into the early 2000s and 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 even the 2010s, and it just continued to grow. Uh, that there the 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 idea of performance and you know making sure our student athletes had the opportunity to be the best that they can be and and talk through mental health and mental well-being as it related to performance. So again, the, maybe for the first 25 years of this, it's been more about performance. But I think since the pandemic, and maybe even slightly before the pandemic, um, you know, you got into a lot more of the, the mental health issues for student athletes. I mean, we had a number of tragedies as, as it related to suicides with student athletes. Um, I was at Clemson University and the Holinsky Foundation, you know, uh, uh, with, with, with the, the, the young man who uh, had passed away at Washington State. His brother played quarterback at, at South Carolina. So we were all in, in the state of South Carolina, all trying to um, work through that. But it was, it was then that you got this light that, you know, student athletes coming in are facing an awful lot of pressure. And you could see the ramp up as social media began to continue to uh, become more and more a part of their life. Um, you know, back in the early 2000s and in the 90s, if somebody really didn't like the way you played a game or or you, you didn't uh, do well, it wasn't that you got into the locker room and saw all this negativity right on your uh, right on your phone. Uh, mm -hmm. It just wouldn't happen that way. Mm -hmm. uh, but now it now it did, you know, starting in the 2010s and, you know, throughout that decade and certainly now. So, you know, the, the student athlete needs to have a needs to have a, a, a way to get that uh, get that opportunity, get get that negative feelings out. And, and, and so that they can be a, a functioning student and then a, a, a much better athlete because you can't just bottle up all those feelings. So athletic programs have, have had since that point in time began putting more resources into the mental health um, area of their student athletes. So and I will tell you, I don't I don't think it's, you know, slid by gender, whether it's more men or more women. I think it's very equally dispersed amongst our student athletes uh, for uh, folks that uh, really are seeking out those kinds of services today. I assume you see the coaches now um, getting educated on this matter. I mean, you made a good distinction between um, sports performance psychology uh, to, to optimize and, you know, dealing with hypothetically depression or anxiety, you know, something that's you know, sometimes, you know, a, a real disorder or sometimes that's something triggered by an outside event. Um, you know, you know, relationships, loss of uh, a loved one, um, you know, playing time, et cetera. Uh, have in your experience uh, from, I guess, most recent years, you know, Clemson and now with Miami, um, are you seeing the coaches starting to understand that this is an issue and, and it needs to be addressed um, for not only the, the, the student athlete, but also for getting them back into competition and competing? No doubt. And, and I think the, the, um, the successful coaches, uh, as they normally do, are a little bit ahead of the curve. You know, they, they see these opportunities, um, you know, in front of them um, with their with their teams, and they say, "How can I help?" You know, whether it's a whether it's an academic issue, and they want to have more um, tutors or more uh, you know other opportunities to help the student athlete get through there, or more uh, more resources into sports medicine to help with the physical maladies you know, understanding that there are mental issues that are going on with the student athletes. They have 
coaches have said, hey, we need help here as well, because they, they understand that um, while they can motivate and they can coach and they can teach, um, most of them understand that that's a little beyond their set, you know, to be able to dive into helping someone with um, issues related to, to mental health. Um, and it's, it's certainly, and this is wonderful, it's been destigmatized greatly. Um, you know, from the standpoint of all of the coverage that has been pulled together and the fact that there's just been more and more experiences. So coaches are very, um, they're very free right now to be able to say, hey, I need help here with these student athletes or this particular student athlete. So I think that there's been a great evolution from coaches being able to, um, you know, understand that this is a uh, this is a real issue for the, the students of which they're coaching here in 2023. Our conversation here kind of speaks to that. I mean, you know, leaders in your industry, um, you know, at the director of athletics level to uh, high profile uh, coaches that we mentioned earlier. Um, I don't know if this would have happened 10, 15 years ago. Right. I mean, maybe a to your point about social media. Um, the issue wasn't as tremendous as it is now, and then the pandemic exasperating that. Um, so um, you, you have all this deep knowledge, and you've been around this industry, and you're clearly very much engaged. Well, just, Go ahead. Before you get to the next question, let me, let me just add on to that. Sure. You know, most coaches are, are family people on their own you know, in, in some type of a circumstance, you know, if they're, if they have children, they've, they've, they're watching their children grow up and their children's friends and they're, they're seeing that outside their work environment. You know, they're, if, if they don't have children, they certainly see that with their, their spouse or, or other family members. Mental health is, 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 is happening all around them. And, and coaches are, are, are very perceptive individuals saying, okay, if that's happening here, or if it's happening to my, to my boys or my daughter's friends, it's highly likely that as they move up into college, right. that they're going to have these same sorts of issues. So how am I doing this? Because I'm coaching their peers. Right. And right. So I think they see that and it's become, uh, it's become real to them outside of the the coaching uh, that they have to do and the, and the teams that they that they have so this is from golf teams to football teams from tennis teams to rowing teams i mean you have all different sizes and they all have these issues and the coaches are looking around saying wow this is not just happening on my team it's happening in, in the world around me. So I, I need to pay attention to this. I'm sorry. I went down that path. No, I think, I think that, Dan, I think that's a great point. Um, I, I think it's a great point. I, you know, it might, it might have something to do with the business I'm in right now, but um, uh, you know, I, there's very few people that, that I know now that uh, haven't had some touch point, you know, whether it's a friend, a spouse, you know, a, a child, uh, an uncle, you know, a brother or sister, um, it, it just seems to be, um, well, I think the pandemic had a lot to do with it. People, uh, you know, people had issues, right. And people are starting to talk about those issues. So I, I think it's a great point, you know, uh, coaches, you know, have private lives and, you know, this, this subject matter touches them. So I, I actually appreciate you saying that, um, with, with all your depth of knowledge and you see this evolution of these type of conversations on this subject, um, what, in your opinion, 
needs to be done going forward? Is are, are there is there is there a greater emphasis that can be put into this area to to become more in the in the proactive world as opposed to sometimes I'm not saying Miami, of course, but you know the world is full of you know acute reactive situations, and unfortunately, as you mentioned earlier, sometimes it takes a tragedy, you know, for people to get out of the reactive state into the proactive world. What's your perspective on that? I think it's probably, you know, you, you want to hire great employees in every part of your organization. I mean, business, whatever. Right. But I think the most important employees that you have are the people that are helping with your student athlete development, um, you know, for this particular item. You know, they have to have their antennas up. Our academic counselors who are around our student athletes, our strength and conditioning people, our trainers. These are the folks that are, are dealing with our student athletes in a non-coaching environment, okay? And, and they're the ones who can hear or can see uh, when there may be issues associated with a particular student athlete. So I think you need to be able to talk with them uh, about and have in-services for them to be able to recognize when, when these issues, when these issues are, are apparent or, or maybe a parent, and where to go with them, because they're not going to be qualified to handle that. But, you know, where, where these things, uh, where, where they can go to help someone get the assistance that they need. But I think you just um, touched on it and hit it, and that is the people that you're bringing into the organization, um, you know, probably, I guess I would just heard at any level, but certainly that the people that are part of taking care of the athlete and that is the development process. And then part of that includes the behavioral, the behavioral development of that younger yeah. person. Um, so at, at Clemson, you worked with, uh, obviously with uh, head coach Dabo Sweeney. Um, uh, you under, you uh, under uh, you, I guess you managed the initiative called the Tigers Together, um, which focused on training the staff about suicide warning signs and how to prevent the tragedy. Uh, and we have you quoted, uh, you know, the need has grown. Um, I, you touched upon it a little bit more, you know, earlier with social media. That growth uh, that's happened and, you know, your program that you initiated, uh, what, back in 2016, 17? I mean, pre, pre-pandemic. Uh, yes. What, what led to that? What, what was the, why did you take on that initiative? Did something happen? No, I, I wouldn't say anything specific happened. I think it was really just listening to those, those groups of people that I just talked about and our head coaches saying that, you know, uh, our student athletes are uh, feeling very anxious. Um, how, can, how can we help them? How can we help them? Uh, again, at, at some point in time, we had not jumped over the performance piece and, and, and into the regular mental health, but we kind of eased our way into it, understanding that if you had better uh, mental health uh, foundation and basis, your performance would probably move forward. So we had had some people on campus, um, you know, we, we outsourced at Clemson the, uh, you know, the, the performance function, and then it grew into also outsourcing the uh, mental health professionals as well. Um, so it was uh, that group um, that was was helpful to us because they would assess our student athletes and they would come back and say, 
hey, look, you you probably need to put some real help into this area. So we would readjust our resources to allow our you know that group to help the student athletes just from a recognition perspective of, of how they can how they can help. Now certainly the campus had you know their um, mental health opportunities as well. So student athlete had a couple of, of choices. They can go to the folks that we had brought in on contract. They could go to the people on campus wherever they felt most comfortable. And I think that's also important. Um, one size doesn't fit all. I've learned this all along the way. One size from a mental health perspective doesn't fit all. So you can't just say, okay, this person is our team psychologist. And if you need help, go see him or her. Doesn't work uh, because coaches um, think differently. So I, I've, I've long looked at, you know, being able to have a, um, a little bit of a, uh, a smorgasbord of, of folks to be able to allow our student athletes or coaches to, to get the right professional to help their philosophies and, and their teams. With all that background, and it's, and it's um, you know, it's many, many years, and you certainly understand the issue and, um, you know, problem, solution, problem, solu solution. What would be your advice to other uh, athletic directors out there that are just starting to understand that this is an issue that needs to be addressed um, and how they go about it. Is it is it a combination of people and education? I mean, what what would your advice be to them? Well, I think that folks who are in in my chair these days are um, because of the education and and just um, the communication that we have within our peer group of athletic directors, um, they, they understand that this is a big issue. Um, and, and I think they're coming in well prepared to be able to know and help how they can uh, they, they can help their particular athletic programs. Uh, but down to the next level and, and into a lot more of the grassroots, um, I think athletic directors, whether they're at high schools, small colleges, junior colleges, wherever they are, they need to be able to listen to, to the coaches. And if, if they can't, and listen to your student athletes. Right. If you don't have if you don't have some of those uh, services readily available, then you need to go out and and find them, uh, and, and talk to whomever within your organization can help you do that. Whether it's your team doctor, whether it's your your university, your school, however however it works, you need to have that um, that phone number uh, of, of of those folks who can help. Um, with a, a mental health crisis, just as you have that phone number uh, for someone, if you need to hire a new coach or you you have other types of issues that go on within your athletic program. On the so, physical side, right? I mean, you know, everybody's been reacting on the physical side to a blown out knee or a blown out shoulder. Uh, right. So you have to have that same type of person uh, at your uh, in your Rolodex there um, to be able to... Uh, help you with from a uh, mental health perspective. So um, let me switch gears to uh, on the personal side. And, <clears throat> you know, this, you mentioned earlier, you know, that coaches are exposed on a, on a personal level, which gives them a greater understanding that when they're dealing it with, with their athletes, um, your son was a student athlete uh, who was on the 2006 uh, national championship team from from Clemson um, you obviously played the game and understand it and you know different generation and time and so forth 
Um, but you, you, you understand that, and then you also understand the inner workings of, of what you've done. And I assume your son is exposed to that throughout, um, you know, his life. Uh, how did you help him with all that knowledge inside that you have doing what you do for a living, as well as your, your sports days yourself? How did, how did you help him navigate some of the pressures that, especially at a big program, you know, like Clemson national champions? Well, he had, uh, had three years at a, um, an FCS program uh, prior to coming to Clemson for his, his final year. Um, so he w- had been a college student athlete. And when he was at Mercer University, which was where he played his first three years, right. um, you know, it was really constant communication, you know, just to be able to let him know that, hey, there are going to be good days and there are going to be bad days, you know, as you as you play intercollegiate athletics. Um, and and that, that happened during the, uh, that time period. But when he made the decision to come to uh, Clemson for his last year, uh, it was just, you know, making sure that you're available, um, you know, to be able to talk to. We, we would try every, I believe it was every Wednesday uh, that we would get together for lunch, you know, and, and just talk about things that were, you know, going on in his life because my day was, you know, a hundred different directions. And of course he was, um, he, he had already graduated um, as an undergrad and was in a, a graduate program uh, at Clemson. So he, it was kind of brand new for him as well. So, uh, you know, just making sure that you have the ability to take the time uh, and, and you're available to have that communication, I think was, was really, really important. And of course, celebrating the things that went great. And, and there was a couple of times when things weren't going so great. So you had to be uh, you had to be the dad at, at that point right. in time, uh, rather than the rather than the athletic director. But it certainly was a special year, and one that uh, I, I won't forget. And I know that um, he had a great uh, experience as well. Well, I mean, that's very cool. I mean, you know, good good for both of you to have that kind of experience. While you know you're you're in the position you're in, and you know he's playing for a, a national champion, right? I mean, it was pretty. It was pretty uh, cool. He got a penalty in the uh, national championship game, so we're, we're, we always talk about that. <laughs> what position did he play? He was he was a uh, an H back tight end, but he did he played mostly on special teams. So okay. uh, that was that was how uh, his claim to infamy was was put out there. He made a mark. He made a mark. He sure um, did. Let me let me ask you something. I you know I've uh, given what I'm doing now, um, and it's it's certainly a different world from my days and your days. Um, you know, the the word mental toughness was something that was very prevalent um, in in our days, and you know now um, how is that how is that word in your opinion used within collegiate athletics today? Is it a word that's used? You know, I, I think it is. I, I think the, the you know mental toughness is 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 still utilized. I, I hear it a lot, but I think when I hear it, I, I think about focus. You know, and the ability to block out um, you know some of the distractions because you know back when it was first coined of mental toughness, you know there weren't the number of distractions that were you know around student athletes at this point in time. So now as you say, mental toughness, I immediately go to the fact that this young man or young woman has the ability to block out all of those other distractions of which there are hundreds and really focus on the task at hand. So uh, that's how I think that that phrase has um, 
evolved worked over the years yeah that I, I actually love that you know they're they're able to compartmentalize that uh, where we didn't necessarily have those outside pressures that's um, that's interesting a um, couple more questions one one is um, you you have a lot going on uh, you have a tremendous amount on your plate um, how do you take your breaks and get on balance oh gosh um, you know I, I try to um, take some time every morning uh, whether it's on a walk or, or a little workout and try to do that before the, the day begins, just to try to center um, my thoughts um, and, and do that um, you know, very, very um, frequently, um, almost every day, you know, try to try to do that even when, when it's not during the work week, uh, because it's just that, that part of the me time that, that I have to be able to uh, think through uh, any issues. Uh, so that's that's probably the biggest part. But I, I also I really like to share things with my staff. Um, you know, I, I'm kind of uh, of the opinion that, you know, you you can compartmentalize too much. If you're sharing this information, a couple of really good things can happen. Well, first of all, you have to trust the people you're sharing with. And if you didn't trust them, you shouldn't have hired them in the first place. So we'll get past that. But, you know, the idea of being able to do that so many times, we will find that we come up with a better idea, you know, through the through those conversations and through that sharing. So, um, you know, that that's I, I like to be able to do that because even verbalizing stuff, you, you I, I come forward with uh, maybe going down a different path to help solve the problem. But um that so so you're doing that. the you're doing the exercise thing. That's that's part of your release, and then you're making sure that you're thinking out loud and getting getting feedback yes. and getting yeah right yeah. Um, final question: I ask this to all podcast guests. Um, you, you've certainly been inspirational, I'm sure, to a lot of people in your life uh, within the different uh, departments and universities. And um, who has been most inspirational to you in your journey? Well, I, I, I think I need to bifurcate it a little bit um, because, you know, personally, my my parents were incredible role models to me growing up, um, but they really didn't get into uh, the business that I'm in. OK, uh, my mom was a homemaker. My dad was a steel worker. The, you know, they they you know, this whole thing about athletics and managing, you know, organizations and people that wasn't you know, higher on their list, but they gave me the values that allowed me to be able to do that. So those, they're, uh, they, they were incredibly inspirational. Uh, but within the, within the world of athletics, you know, I, I've been very fortunate to work for some really great people. Um, Dr. Mike McGee, who was at the University of, of Southern California and then South Carolina, hired me at, at, at South Carolina, uh, gave all of the people who he worked with an incredible amount of of opportunity to grow and and, and experience you know different things so for that you know uh, and ed education was very important to mike um the the, the people around his table uh, continue to be life life learners in 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 whatever their chosen field was so that was really important and then i had the great good fortune at lsu to work with skip bertman uh, who was the athletic director there? He had been the longtime baseball coach and was, you know, uber successful in in that. And and his ability to understand 
how to make the customer feel good uh, and make people, um, you know, you know, from a philanthropic perspective to a ticket buying perspective, making sure that your product is something that people want to consume. Uh, and so Mike and Skip were just, you know, in, incredible inspirations as it relates to uh, the business side of what, what I've uh, been able to work on the last 30 years. Different styles and different talents um, oh, that you sure. get exposed to. Yeah, well, that's that's tremendous. And then nothing like having uh, you know great parents with strong values that you you know you take through the rest of your life. Well, well Dan, I'm very grateful for you joining me. Um, you're you know I've learned you're a legend in this business, and um, congratulations for all the great work you've done. And you know, thank you for coming out and talking about this important subject in college athletics. So thank you. Well, Walt, thank you. And thank your whole staff. It's been, it's been a pleasure. Uh, this is, th this is an important subject and anywhere down the road that myself or the university of Miami can assist in, in the growth and, re and just having this, um, having this information out and about, uh, we want to be able to do so because it's, uh, it's very, very important. So thank you for having me. Well, thank you. Um, so finally, as I always say, uh, thank you to our listeners. Um, we are striving to create a greater awareness of the athlete's plight uh, with mental challenges, mental health challenges, which hopefully uh, moves towards the uh, complete uh, stigmatization uh, that's been associated. Uh, be well, everybody. I'm Walt Norley, and this is Athletes on Balance. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Athletes on Balance. If you enjoyed what you heard today, Please follow us on your preferred podcast app to catch our next episode. Join our community by sharing with an athlete, mental health care provider, or coach in your circle. Welcome. 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 Welcome.